of another. With that thought, turn to the book of Philippians, if you would, because we're focusing on the book of Philippians, verse-by-verse study through this book, as we consider members one of another. The book of Philippians is all about joy and rejoicing in the Christian life. The theme is mentioned some 20 times in this book with the thematic verse being chapter 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so with this idea of members one of another, we're focusing on the book of Philippians in these days. And chapter 1 verses 1 through 6, I like to call rejoicing in our gospel partnership. Profound joy in the Christian life, folks, is not based on what we do. It's based on who we are. My joy in following the Lord is not based on the goodies that I do. Well, I'm going to read my Bible uh, every, every day this week. I'm going to make sure that my Awana verses are memorized. I'm, uh, I'm going to serve on this committee. I'm going to join the choir. No, it's not based on what I do. It's based on who I am in Him. For my children, two of whom are here this morning, will tell you the issue is not with doing. It is with... Thank you, kids. <laughs> They did not know I was going to do that this morning, but they were ready to go, ready to go. Uh, It's about being. It's who I am in Christ because who I am will spill over into what I do. But it will never happen the other way. All that I do is not going to generate me being a follower of the Lord. And so, if you would, look at Philippians 1, verses 1 through 6. For our text this morning, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it, will complete it, will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Three primary points if you're taking notes. First of all, we see that in order to be, give ourselves to rejoicing in our gospel partnership, there's going to be a redeemed church. Verses 1 and 2 tell us much about the, the church at Philippi is a redeemed church, a church filled with people who know and follow the Lord. Folks, first and foremost, before anything else, a biblical church is composed of those who are redeemed. We are not a social club. We're not just a group of folks who happen to like one another uh, and we meet at a particular time to do good things. That is not who we're, oh, we do like each other. We love each other, and we do meet at particular times, and we do things which are good and right and correct according to Scripture, but that is what we do, not who we are. Who we are are those who have been set apart by the Lord. We were dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1. Now we've been made alive and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb through faith in Him. It's who we are. Because of that, Paul and his entourage rejoiced in the gospel partnership that they shared with the Philippians, and so too should we. We must rejoice in the gospel. You know, there are like-minded folks here. 
You're not going to find that in the world. Uh, you're probably not going to find that much in the workplace, in the classroom, on the college campus. You're, not gonna, you're going to find those who are against you, who will mock you and ridicule you. But here, because we are Bible believers, we hold to the truth of Scripture. We are of a kindred spirit. Amen? We're redeemed folks from the world. Three particular subpoints, if you will. Redeemed people are servants of Christ. We see that at the beginning of verse 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. A redeemed church will be filled with people who are servants of the Lord. Co-laborers, not of one another. It's not Paul and Timothy, co-laborers of one another, co-laborers of you, Philippians. No, we are co-laborers of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the choir sang, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You've heard it said, he's Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Well, in our lives, in this church, he is to be Lord of all. He is to reign supreme. He, and he alone, is to be preeminent. Folks, this is not my church. And what's more, this is not your church either. Never has been, never will be. Amen? It's whose church? Christ the Lord. It's his church. And, uh, and that's, not, uh, that's not being coy. That's not being cute or clever. We all need to be to reaffirm that this body is his because he is the head. Now, to be sure, I'm an important part. I'm a vital part. He loves me. He's placed me. He's, he's brought me into membership. He's grafted me into the olive tree, maybe being a wild olive branch. We understand those principles. But the fact of the matter is, this is his church. Followers of Christ labor as servants in the field. We plant, we water, he brings in the harvest. Uh, I like the insight theologian Thomas Constable offered on this. He said, and he wrote, Paul's lack of reverence to his apostleship is in harmony with the overall emphasis of the epistle. In his other prison epistles, Paul introduced himself as an apostle. But here he is simply calling himself a bond servant. This was a personal letter rather than one giving correction that needed apostolic authority behind it so that the recipients would accept it and act on its instruction. Paul, in this book, was not like he was in so many other New Testament epistles, uh, bringing a rebuke, bringing a correction, setting doctrine. Or No, 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 this was a very intimate, this was a very personal book. He is a co-laborer. He is not putting himself as an upper-class elite believer. And folks, can I talk for a minute with you all? Can we chat? I'm having surgery tomorrow, as you know. That is no more or no, no less important than any one of you having surgery tomorrow. Amen? You, you see that? Uh, I'm not the father. I'm not the elite one. I'm not, I simply uh, have been called to a more public ministry uh, than maybe others have. That does not mean upper class, upper tier, top shelf right? Amen? Do you understand that? We are not Romanists here. We are not those uh, uh, who, who when, when I die, don't you dare put me in a glass coffin and put me on display for the next 150 years as Kathy and I saw in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome last couple of months ago. Amen? Can I get a commitment? You won't do that with me? <laughs> Paul and Timothy, fellow servants, because they were brothers 
to, uh, to their brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi. They were servants of the Lord. Secondly, redeemed people are saints in Christ. So many times in uh, Pauline epistles, it says in Christ. Every believer is a saint because I am in him. And the church doesn't make me a saint. The church doesn't declare you to be a saint. God declares you to be a saint because by faith you are in Christ. You have been placed in him. You've been baptized into him, into his body. First Corinthians chapter 12 tells us. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 designates saints. Listen to what it describes to the saints at Ephesus in chapter 1. It says, we are blessed. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are accepted. We are uh, uh, redeemed. We are forgiven. Folks, that is a very special category of, uh, of people, amen, who were once dead in trespasses and sins, and now he, uh, we've realized the adoption, we've realized the, uh, the election, which he, in eternity past, had already decreed, and we now enter into it by faith. In Christ, I am a saint. In fact, you can count them. The phrase in Christ or the word Christ or of Christ or by him 20 times in chapter 1, roughly 20 times in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. It is that important to remind the church that you're redeemed people and he has made you holy ones unto him. You are a saint. Thirdly, redeemed people are saved through Christ. We are saved through him. Notice in verse 2, grace and peace have come from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always in that order uh, when the Apostle Paul writes, it's always grace for I must first experience the grace of God to forgive my sins before I enter into peace with God and no longer at war with him. In fact, Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves. It's entirely a gift of God to the degree that Romans 5, 1 says, because of that, because I've been justified by faith, I now have peace with God. No longer am I an enemy. No longer am I at war with God because my sins have been forgiven. I've been accepted in him. I am a saved child of God. F.F. Bruce, the theologian, wrote, peace it's the sum total of all the blessings and temporal and spiritual which the Lord has provided. So in order to have, be able to have a gospel partnership, that is all of us, you got to be redeemed. You have to be saved. You have to be um, uh, owned by him, uh, be a servant of the Lord. And then secondly, we see in verses 3 and 4, that it is to be a faithful church. God calls his church to be faithful. We've, uh, we learned, uh, we're reminded much about that in the Sunday school opening, the adult Sunday school opening this morning, that even, uh, even when we don't, he abides faithful and he calls us to be faithful. It is appointed unto man to be, uh, to be, uh, to a steward to be faithful. Folks, since redeemed folks have experienced the grace of God, and are at peace with God, it follows that I should be faithful. Think about the debt of love I owe him. Amen? I mean, could you be one who is walking around rejecting, ignoring the gospel, and be hell-bound? 
did you deserve to be hellbound? I guess is a better way to phrase it. Any, any, anybody with me on that? You deserve, a couple of you, only two of you. Only two of you in this whole place. How about that? We, uh, uh, we've discovered the first uh, inherently righteous congregation, except for two or three of us. Uh, give you another chance now that you're warmed up. Anybody here deserve the judgment of God? Yeah, oh, now I'm seeing some true believers. You deserved it, and yet in Christ you have not received that, and nor will you receive it. My, what faithfulness. Definitely, I need to be faithful because of who he is and what he's done, which means that you get a whole band of faithful people. Now you're sharing in the gospel partnership with him, with one another. Now, Paul and Timothy, others, uh, Paul and Silas, I should say, and others, planted this church at Philippi, um, and, and, they, and, the, and the Philippians warmed their hearts. They were the missionaries. They warmed their hearts. Their hearts were filled with joy when they thought of them. Notice in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, in every prayer, with joy, making requests to God. You know, Red Bridger, when our missionaries think of us here at Redbridge, I want the warmth of spiritual joy to flood their hearts because of what we mean to them. Williamson's here. I think I saw them. There they are back there, missionaries. Any other missionaries here? Uh, Key Roses aren't here. I think they're, on, they're, they're out in the field working right now. But I have to believe, by virtue of them being here, uh, it's not because we're making them rich, but their hearts are warmed with joy. The Campbells coming back from Haiti, they're going to stay in our mission house. Why? Because we love them. And their hearts are warmed, are joyfully warmed when they think of their congregation. We're members one of another, folks, with our missionaries. And it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by providence. It's intentionally um, not just being reactive to the needs of the, minist- uh, the missionaries, but being proactive. Do you recognize that we are, as a church, we are proactive regarding our missionaries? What's going on in your life? Uh, how can we pray for you? Do you need more support? Can we, can we come alongside of you with this particular project? Proactive in the lives of our missionaries. Paul, when you were in your field, uh, I think we, uh, we greatly supported financially uh, the, the construction uh, of fresh water well, didn't we? And, and that helped you in the community that, that gave a sense of respect for you and for your family among those, none of whom, who knew the Lord. And so that's the kind of proactively running at missionary needs, as Paul will describe later in this book. And that's who we want to be. We want to have that gospel partnership so that we do, in fact, run at one another with ministry. A group of faithful believers. Faithful believers results in a faithful church. And so I ask you, I ask you, as Sean challenged you last week, are you faithful to Christ and to his church? You say, well, I'm faithful to Christ. I'm not faithful to his church. What? You mean you recognize the head, but you, that's, that's void of a body? That's nonsense. That can't, that's incongruous. That can't work. It is the whole package that the Lord has laid out. And so, whatever part I am, whatever member of the body I am, I'm to be faithful 
in following him. Now notice how they were faithful in verse 4, verse 3 and 4. They were faithful to the greatest degree because they prayed for their missionaries and prayed for one another. Folks, if it's the energy of the flesh, when I work, guess who works? I work. But in the spirit, when I pray, who works? God works. Well, now that's a pretty good deal. Do I want to work and make something happen? Or do I want him to work uh, and, and, and make, make it happen? I don't want him to be the one who energizes it. You know, my prayer life <clears throat> uh, over my 45 years of walking with the Lord has been like my golf game. You remember when you were 14, 15-year-old, you guys especially, 16, 18-year-old guys, how did you play golf? You muscled, Ray, you hit that ball as hard as you could. Uh, you, you, you would be kind of like that, that comedy show where the guy takes a running start, you know, and, and he tries. That's how got, uh, young guys play golf. Young guys don't score well in golf <laughs> for that reason. But have you ever noticed the, the senior who's out there uh, on the course and he, uh, he drives it 90 to 120 yards straight as an arrow? And scores pretty well. Matt played bogey golf, but he's, not, he, he's never getting a quadruple bogey. Well, in one's prayer life, as a new believer, I, was, uh, I would pray, but then I would look for an opportunity to see how I was going to make something happen for God in the energy of the flesh. Never works, right? But with maturity, you see, bumping your nose in the wall a hundred times, Finally, you say, maybe I should go through the door, the door. He said, I'm the door. And in fact, there's power from him when that happens. Now, my golf game, even though a senior adult, has not gotten any better, but that's, that's another message. We are to pray for one another, as James 5, 16, imperative verb, commanding us to pray for one another. Colossians 1, 9 we have not ceased to pray for you. Lifestyle praying. All the time praying for one another. <clears throat> and Samuel knew of his responsibility in praying for the people. Even when they were in sin. In 1 Samuel 12, 22 and 23. It says, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. He's doing it for his glory. Because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me... God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. In other words, we're members one of another, Samuel said. I would be sinning to forsake caring for you in prayer. And Paul and Timothy communicated the very same truth. But I will teach you the good and right way. So a redeemed church are able to be, members are able to be partners in the gospel. A faithful church can have a gospel partnership. And then, finally, verses 5 and 6, a persevering church, a local church, needs to be characterized as those who put their hand to the plow and do not look back. Folks, anyone can quit. Anyone can throw in the towel. Anyone can hear gospel truth, but only those who receive by faith who acknowledge you are Lord. I am not Lord. God, you are Lord. You're the master. You're the sovereign. And by faith, with the delight in my soul, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to persevere until you call me home 
to glory. I mentioned uh, earlier, Brother Ray, uh, you and Arlie uh, facing, if I can say it, life, life um, threatening situations, acute, acute. We're, we're all, all of our lives are threatened. You, walk, you, you wake up in the morning, you breathe, your life is threatened potentially. These are acute situations. For him, Mark's brother John, I, his twin brother, I, I just saw him this past week, visited with him, uh, with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He's now on a, a breathing, uh, a forced air uh, a breathing machine all the time, dwindling away, probably down to 110 pounds as a six-foot tall man. To those men and to any of us, and whenever we face it, finish strong. Can I get a word? Finish strong. Persevere until you don't have any more breath. Because anyone can say, well, I've been dealt a rotten hand. I think I'll go go home, eat some worms. Woe is me. Notice how this church began. It began with Lydia, a Gentile woman. You would have thought a Jewish priest who got saved. No. It was a Gentile who was not, and a woman who in that day were not accepted very well in a lot of circles. And God said, I'll show you. I will show you a trophy of grace. And folks, the Philippians were just that. They were bubbling over with joy and love and care for one another. Oh, to be sure, not without some problems. I mean, there were humans there. But it had a strange beginning. Second person saved, a prison warden. The next one who maybe got saved, we don't know, it's not given that detail, a formerly demonized man when Paul founded this church on his second missionary journey. He persevered. Red Bridger, don't quit. It doesn't require much at all to throw in the towel, but those who are blood-bought, spirit-filled, who share in a gospel partnership must never run and hide, must never take their toys and go home. Okay, you've had your feelings hurt. Okay, somebody has uh, disavowed you, who, didn't, uh, who, uh, who, who did something truly sinful. Has the Lord forsaken you? And God's people said, no, of course not. He abides faithful. And he calls you, he calls me, to stay with the stuff. And the stuff is a gospel partnership, linking hearts together, serving Him all our days. We persevere as members one of another because we're accountable. You're going to receive your vision newsletter probably this week, upcoming week, sometime. Haven't mailed it yet, but you'll get it. And I was reminded of a few months ago when we were launching our small groups. And he said one of the key tenets of small group ministry, the Jordan, is accountability. And I don't know where I got it. I may have read it somewhere. I don't know. I'd, I'd tell you if I knew. Maybe I, can, maybe I can just say it came to me. I don't know. What does accountability mean? Accountability means you're counting on me. And I'm counting on you. And in your small group, in your committee, 
in your, in your Sunday school class, in your family unit, physical family. We count on one another. Cain said, well, I don't know where Abel is. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. We are to care for one another. We're in a gospel partnership. And the way that is realized is by practically walking out, being members one of another. Let's continue rejoicing in our gospel partnership as members one of another. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and how you inspired the Apostle Paul to tell the Philippians that he, that he was confident, he knew that the very one who began the good work, God himself, would complete it one day. Lord, may I finish strong. May each one of your people here finish strong, serving you faithfully all our days, persevering as those who are redeemed and sharing in a gospel partnership with joy. Lord, I'm just, as I've said a thousand times, I'm tickled that I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I get to serve you. I'm privileged to follow you. Give us a heart to rejoice in your work, Lord Jesus, your name. Amen.